Good evening or good morning. This is The Other Side of Midnight, reaching out to 190 countries around the world. We apologize. We've been having some technical difficulties and we're back up. So uh, tonight, this is Kinthea. I'm going to be holding the seat for Richard, who is also having technical difficulties. We are on a journey. We're going to have an amazing conversation with Steve Meads, who's an author from London or the UK, I should say. And he's going to share with us his discoveries around the cave art um, from Chauvet. Steve Meads grew up near London. His early education was focused in science, English, math, and art. To support his passion for discovery, and to leave it unbounded by entrenched traditional thought, Steve worked in a very practical ways as a mainframe computer systems operator, plumber, builder's laborer, and currently is the building manager for a three-story office block. Steve has lived in Brittany, France to learn the language, experience the life of a different culture, and enjoy the fresh air. He's lived in Hong Kong and the Philippines, eventually returning to the UK after the end of his business venture, an internet cafe in the Philippines. On December 21st, 2012, Steve sat down to watch Werner Herzog's documentary, Chauvet, the Cay of Forgotten Dreams, and serendipity took its hold, and thus the venture began. So welcome, Steve. Welcome to the show. Good morning, and thank you very much for having me on. Glad to have you here. I'm so curious. Uh, before we get into what you found at the cave, I'd like to explore a little more what moved you in this direction. What is it that, you know, your background, what has been calling you to this work? Well, that's a bit of a long story. Um, I've, been, I've been experiencing different strange and unusual sort of paranormal activity ever since I was very, very young. And it, especially in, in dreams and, you know, things like that. And it's always given me this sort of fascination and made me ask questions about what is real? What, what is it that we experience um, from day-to-day -day lives and at night? And what makes us scared of spirits and things that go bump in the night? So, of course, these types of questions kept on running through my head over years and years. And, of course, I'm reading books and various things and watching TV and films on these types of subjects. And um, it, it's drawn me along this path of uh, discovery and ex exploration. There's far much more to life than just uh, the, the normal nine to five, as we all know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, I got involved in a couple of ufology groups and paranormal investigative groups over the years. And I've done quite a bit of investigating and UFO mm -hmm. hunting. And Can I stop you a moment there, Steve? Can I yeah, ask you? So when you say paranormal, are you of the camp that thinks only some people have these qualities or everyone does? Everyone does. Yes. Every, everyone's got it. Mm -hmm. So Richard um, would say they were normal. I'm just putting in a voice here for Richard since he's not yes, in the captain's chair yes. tonight. <laughs> yeah. I think the problem is that we all have this ability, but we are not taught or trained to use it or listen to it. Mm. 
we are trained to work for a company to earn some money, to pay a mortgage, etc. We're kind of blinkered. Um, and I think this is one of the main sort of uh, mental health issues that, that a lot of people struggle and have problems with. They don't have the um, knowledge or the information required in order for them to find out who and what they are. Mm. And of course, this is where we get into sort of depression and stuff because pe- people just tend to sort of build it all up inside themselves and they don't understand. Some do, some don't. It, it's the same yeah, as. Or uh, they think they're going nuts. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> Especially when they do start experiencing things. Or those around them think they're going nuts. Yeah, that's right. Well, <laughs> I'm sure pr- quite a lot of people think I'm pretty crazy myself but you know but you're a pretty practical grounded guy i mean if you're running a computer operating systems you got to be in some way pretty grounded yeah i mean this is this is the thing i'm i'm adaptable i'm multi-talented i'm Mm multi-skilled um i've had to be due to the volatility of the job market over the years i've had no choice but to, to try and change my skills and my abilities to fit the mood of what's available around me Mm-hmm. It's. I see it the same way as um, if you're out in the middle of a jungle uh, and you run out of food and resources, you're going to move to another area that's not going to be a jungle. So you could have open plains, grassland right. and stuff. You're mm-hmm. going to adapt to that in order to survive. Right. It, right. It, it's plain and simple. It seems as though the life's path has brought you to blend both your left and right brain hemispheres. I know you mentioned somewhere I saw in your writing that because you were left-handed, your brain functioned differently. Does that play into what you're speaking of? I very much believe it does, yes. In what way? Well, um, as some may know, the brain works in different ways. If you're right-handed, then it's the left hemisphere, which does all the sort of uh, the general sort of nine to five type stuff, shall we say. Whereas if you're left-handed, then the right side of your brain operates. And, and that is more related to um, like imagery, you, you know, spotting images in the cloud and thinking, oh, look, there's a rabbit flying by, it, that sort of thing. Um, it's, it's more creative. Um, and I think it's more in tune and open to the other side. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Da Vinci was left-handed, and there's an, another amazing artist. I totally just think he's awesome, which is uh, Android Jones. He's also left-handed. Ah, amazing and, and it, ability to perceive these multi-dimensional realities, and you see in Da Vinci the blend of the scientist and the artist. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, bringing back to as you were looking through this documentary and you had these past experiences of your own sensitivity to other realms, what came up for you as you were looking into this Chauvet question? Well, when I first sat down and started looking at it, I mean, for starters, it it was the timing. It was the 21st of December, 2012, the (laughs) end of the Mayan calendar. That's what it was. The Mayan calendar is talking about the end of the world. And there's me sitting there watching a documentary on cave art, thinking, oh, well, you know, what's going to happen is going to happen. Oddly enough, 
the world did end for me. Mm. That was it. I, I suddenly come across this whole new world. Everything just sort of fell into place. And I'm sitting there, I'm watching this video, and I see one image, and I'm thinking, that's the eye of Ra. That's not a horse. That's the eye of Ra. What are they talking about? And I thought, nah, got to be coincidence. It's just, it's just me. I'm thinking, no, this, that can't be possible. Then I see this lion. And I'm, I'm Is looking that at one it. of the images on the page? I think you... Um, yes, yes. It's all uh, right. number so three. Everyone, first of all, uh, to find Steve Mead's page, if you happen to be on the homepage, you're going to click on the show Chauvet, Key to the Real Origins of Humans with Steve Meads, and there's a banner, and that'll take you to his show page. And then you'll scroll down, and what number is it, Steve? Number three is the map. Number three. We're looking at number three, and if you want to enlarge it, you can click on it, and it will bring up a larger view. Okay, so please continue, Steve. Yeah, so so I, I saw this lion there. I mean, there's, there's a couple of other lions around it, and they're, they're rather interesting images. Um, and I, I could see some of the other creatures that are blending in with it. I mean, one of them appears to be like um, this sort of caribou or, or reindeer or something. Mm -hmm, that's, that's, mm -hmm, I see it. Yeah. Uh, but then I was thinking to myself, hold on a minute. Over on the right-hand side, it, it reminded me of the, the Nile Delta. Hmm. And then I realized that I think I'm sitting there going, that's not a lion. That's, that's the coastline of North Africa. Oh, uh, and again, I'm thinking now nah, that's got to be a coincidence. It's just just me seeing things, because I've been a paranormal investigator and UFO hunter and various other things over the years. I understand what pareidolia is and what matrixing is and what seeing what you want to see is. I understand all of that, and of course, I am questioning myself when I am seeing these images in this cave up. But then we came to another section of the video. Um, there was a couple more of these coincidences going on, but then I am seeing this hippo in the cave art, and hmm. he's standing there with his—he's facing downwards actually. Um, so he, he's been drawn on the horizontal rather than on the vertical. And he's got his mouth open and his tongue, tongue sticking out, and I'm thinking to myself, I've seen that before, and he was so out of place from everything else that I'd seen in all of this cave art, that I thought, what on earth is he doing in there? It didn't make sense. Is that is that one of our images or no? Yes, it is. It's number one. No, number one. Everyone, it's number yeah. one under Steve Mead's items. Yeah, okay. it's number one. I see. So what we've got mm -hmm. here, on if you look at the top left-hand corner oh, I of see the, the hippo, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, that is the original from the cave art, but... I have rotated it exactly 90 degrees. Mm -hmm. Now, this is one of the sort of things with this art is that they've put stuff in there in a particular order, in a particular fashion, for a reason. And I think that they've rotated this by 90 degrees onto the horizontal, whichever way around it is, in order to hide it and blend it in with the rest of the art. Um, but there's this hippo. There he is. Uh, and, I, and I was drawn into it. I thought, now, there's something else going on here. There's something funny going on. Because I've seen the eye of Ra. I've seen this um, 
coastline of North Africa with the Nile Delta and everything. Is there. the coastline on, on on there? Yeah, it, it's on uh, it's on number three. Number three. Okay. Yeah, you can see. So it on if you're three. looking for the African coastline, it's on number three. Yeah. Okay. You can see I've got some place names roughly located along there. To oh, try and, yes. Yeah, to try and emphasize my point. I mean, even the mouth on that lion is um, very, very, uh, what's the word? Um, I can't think of the word at the moment. It's there for a reason. The mouth on that lion is there for a reason. But I'll talk more about that lion in a moment because there's a couple of other little bits and pieces which are going on with it. So um, we're looking back at number one and we see this hippo. And I've rotated that by 90 degrees, exactly 90 degrees. There's no other manipulation going on there. And I started looking for um, ancient Egypt and hippos. And up came this image. And that is the image that you can see down below, which is the black and white image there. Mm-hmm. And that image is actually from the tomb ceiling of Seti I. Mm. And I'm sitting there, I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, oh my word. How on earth is this possible? I then realized that I am looking from the cave art, I am looking at almost exactly the same image. Because as you can see, I've highlighted in red some of the um, identifying matching points. Mm-hmm. On the right-hand side there, you've got this long curve, which has actually been scratched into the rock rather than drawn. And of course, that is the outline of the back of the crocodile there. Mm-hmm. And then just in front of the hippo, you've got this curved plinth, whatever it is that it's put its hands on. Like a and, staff. And looks yeah. like a staff of some. Yep. They're kind. both in they're both in it's in both images. Mm-hmm. And then of course you've got this long flat platform with a four legged creature on top of it. Admittedly, the one in the, sh- the cave art, the four legged creature is upside down, but nonetheless, it's there. Um, the tomb ceiling one, the, the one from Seti the First tomb ceiling, there are other variants and versions of the same thing. Some of them are, are a bit crudely drawn by the Egyptians, and some of them are slightly different in the positioning of the characters and what they're doing. Now, if you notice, just in front of the um, the black and white image, you can see a man or some some Egyptian being holding what looks like a, a stick or a spear. Is, is yeah. he turned sideways or is That's he? That's correct. He is, he is turned sideways, yes. That's is he facing up or facing That's right. down? Yep, okay. he's facing upwards. All right. Now, he, he's holding some form of stick, mm-hmm. um, but in some of the other versions of this same image, it's actually a spear. Hmm. Now, this black line in the cave art that the four-legged creature is is upside down on, that is actually a spear as well. It's actually, it looks like it's a feathered spear, which is very, very interesting. Um, you, you can just about see the, uh, the actual arrowhead on the left-hand side of the end of that line. It, it's, it's a bit Are more, you uh, speaking the vertical one or the, or the one that the creature is on? The one that the creature is on. Uh-huh. Yeah, the long black line in the, mm-hmm. uh, the, the cave art image. Oh, in the cave art, yes, because yeah, I, the, I couldn't see the feathers in the black uh, and white, but I see it in the cave art one. Exactly, yeah, it's, it's the cave art one. On, on the left hand, on the left hand side of that um, long feathered line, there's there's, but you can just about see it. There's a, like a, a typical sort of 
arrowhead. Hmm. Yeah, the, the, a child would draw, for example. But the funny thing is, the Egyptians used the same image. They used that sort of um, angled little pointy bit on the end of their spears for the, for the same image um, in other versions. Hmm. So I, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, well, how is this possible? Why is it that I can find the eye of Ra, something that relates possibly as a map to North Africa and the Nile Delta? And then I'm seeing this section, which I can match up to the tomb ceiling of Seti the First. Mm-hmm. And the only way that this is possible is that someone, somewhere along the line, 35,000 years ago, approximately, had the information that was to become the ancient Egyptian culture. Um, yeah. You know what? I think we really need to tell our audience a little bit more about the Chauvet Cave because yes. my oversight, I didn't fill that in for background information. So could you speak a little on what that is so that they'll have a context Okay, what we're right. talking about? The Chauvet Cave was discovered in 1994 by um, a man called Chauvet and two other gentlemen who I can't remember their names. Um, And they found this little entrance and they they got inside and they discovered this incredible art. It is classed as the world's best. It's phenomenally detailed. It's, It's incredibly vibrant and alive and it's absolutely wonderful they've even created a replica of it that you can actually go into and visit because this this cave is now a unesco site you cannot go in there without special permission and even then you're only allowed in there for about 20 minutes at a time they are so determined to protect this it is that pristine now the original entrance to this cave was sealed off they believe by a landslide approximately 20,000 years ago. I have a feeling that it was deliberately sealed. But that's, that's another matter. Um, but yeah, this is in southern France. It is down near um, Montpellier, Montelimar, Neance. It is in that region of France, almost down on the southern coast. So yeah, it's, it's an amazing place. Um, it's in the Ardèche region. There's a little um, river that runs past it, and uh, it's, it's quite an amazing place if you ever get the chance to have a look at the, um, the actual Werner Herzog's documentary for it, and I'm sure you can find some uh, images for it online as well. So, yeah, it's um, an amazing place. The replica's open as a tourist thing, so it's uh, quite an incredible place, and I would love to go in there and, and do they- my own. Cool. Yeah. And how, how long do they think that when they, <laughs> when do they think these were painted? Right. Like they originally thought it was a, a, about 30,000, but then they did some proper, more detailed dating on it and it, and it comes out to around about 35,000. Wow. So wow. You, how you do they explain that? Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's phenomenal. I mean, yeah, you can give it, you can give it, plus or minus 5,000 gap if you wish. And, uh, you know, who's going to argue over a few right, thousand years? Right. Well, um, you know, the Aborigines have a 40,000-year history. So, And it's important. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because that is the, one of the important things as to how this cave art became 
the birth of the Egyptian culture, along with the Sumerians and several others around the world. Oh, is that what you're saying? Yeah. That it's the birth of the, that the Egyptians and the Sumerians were influenced by this. Yes, because of the way that the Australian Aborigines are able to pass down their history by word of mouth. Mm-hmm. They, they pass on their stories of the dream time to their children who learn it right. and they pass it on to their children. And right. they've been doing that for what, approximately 40, 50,000 years? Yes. Yeah. So they've been doing it a heck of a long time. So it proves the point that yes, it is possible for someone to have come up with an idea or to have learned something or to have known or, or even been taught something that they created and recorded into this cave up and then continued to tell the story over generation after generation after generation. And somebody took it upon themselves to build and design an entire culture based on it. And this is the birthplace of religion, gods, the Egyptian culture, the Sumerians, amongst other hieroglyphics, many, many other little things that we can all tie into it, even heraldry, the family tree. Hmm. Because yeah. we, yeah, it goes into the tree of life. It goes into many other different little things. This, this art it is absolutely phenomenally detailed. And the stuff that is in it is mind-blowing. Oh, okay. So you're making some very big leaps here, and I'm definitely going to want to pursue this. Let me just <laughs> back up here. So in this number one image, then we are looking at the evolution of this original cave art and how it evolved and came to be in an Egyptian tomb. Is yes. that what you're saying? Yes. Uh-huh. And you're saying that these stories are being passed down through generations throughout the planet, including the Sumerians and and yes. are and are you saying that the originators who created this cave art are the same as those who, you know, go back in their Aborigine dream time? Are they parallel? Are they the this, same? What do you? This is here? this is where we come to a bit of a little bit of a problem. It's it's difficult to tell whether. Um, say, like me and you were there okay. right hold, now. Hold on this. there, Steve, because. Go on. I don't want to get too deep. I want to catch this on the other side of break because it sounds like you're going into it. So you're on the other side of midnight. We're listening to author Steve Meads in his new book, Chauvet, and um, we'll catch you on the other side of the break.
listening to the first hour of The Other Side of Midnight. Be sure to catch our complete live show every Saturday and Sunday night at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, for a full three hours of this kind of exploration. And be sure to visit theothersideofmidnight.com as you listen so you can follow our special Radio with Pictures guest page simultaneously. The Kinthea, our hardworking producer, specifically prepares to illustrate the topics discussed each show. Why? Because there is vital additional information on that Radio with Pictures guest page that I assure you will immeasurably enhance your understanding and enjoyment of what our guests are describing. I mean, would you rather listen to a guest talk about NASA images of ancient artifacts on Mars or simultaneously be able to follow the official NASA images showing you as you're listening the ruins? If you'd like to listen at your convenience to all our shows, including our unique Radio with Pictures feature, please visit theothersideofmidnight.com and click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the left-hand column. Okay, what do you get with your Club 19.5 membership, besides helping the show literally stay on the air? Well, first of all, you will exclusively, this is not available to the general public, enjoy our enhanced ad-free podcast, courtesy of Chris Bell automatically downloading all the latest The Other Side of Midnight shows directly to your favorite podcast device so you can listen when you want to. Further, as a full Club 19.5 member, you will gain exclusive access to our The Other Side of Midnight 24-7 chat server, what I can't help calling the Open Hailing Frequencies Room, which is available only to members 24-7. Now, during the show, that's where you will find other 19.5 members and sometimes even members of the bridge crew, my guests, and even me uh, when I have time. Regardless, you can always relay live questions to me during the show just by going to the open hailing frequencies room. Of course, when we're not on the air with your 19.5 membership, you can visit our club 19.5 radio archives anytime and download all our shows directly to your computer which will automatically provide you a screen size that allows you to really examine the remarkable images Kinthea posts for each show. Okay, <clears throat> here's where I need to get kind of super serious. Club 19.5 is how our show is currently solely supported. In my hopefully not vain attempt to keep commercials <clears throat> to a minimum, if you're concerned about keeping us on the air, if you want to hear information that has been vetted far more than perhaps any other show, the best way to ensure that is to join Club 19.5 and get your friends and family to join too. And if you don't know already, when I drop by open hailing frequencies, you can even ask me directly what the ultimate meaning is behind 19.5, literally the most exclusive club in the world. Please join me and my interesting guests on this very stream every Saturday and Sunday night at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, and be sure to come back and listen to our live three-hour shows. Thanks for listening, and now, back to the show. And welcome back to The Other Side of Midnight. 
Uh, this is Kinthea filling in for Richard C. Hoagland. And tonight we're speaking with Steve Meads, who's in Plymouth, Devon, England. And we're speaking about his revelations around the cave art found in Chauvet. And just before break, we were speaking about this culture that created this cave art and perhaps the relationship to other cultures around the globe. So, Steve, would you like to pick it up again, please? Yeah, no problem. Right. Um, the creators of this art, there's a bit of a problem. Um, this art is so technical in detail. It's so clever. It's multi-layered. And if you look at one section, you can actually go back to another section and they make sense together. So it's, it's almost as though this entire set of art has been encoded with some sort of story or message. And it, it's quite mind-blowing to actually follow it through and, and pick it apart. So who actually created it? Are we talking about some advanced civilization that knew and understood about the complexities of art and what you can do with images? Or was it just some random choice by some caveman who just happened to have been eating some particular mushrooms one afternoon mm -hmm. and decided to sit in there and draw what he was imagining? Or was somebody taught how to do this? Or did somebody from somewhere else actually do this? Because it is that advanced. Some of the stuff that um, that is in there especially this map. I mean, if you look at the image number three again of the map, mm -hmm. if this really is a map, how on earth did cavemen 35,000 years ago know how to draw North Africa, the Bay of Biscay on France, the northern coast of Spain, the Mediterranean, it, it's, and, and the Nile Delta? It, it's mind-blowing. This goes into so much detail, and it's so complex that, that it's absolutely, utterly crazy when we look at this um number three image again the map when we look at the lion one of the things that i noticed about it was that its eye is above its eyebrow oh we're near the word morocco is that what you're saying correct hmm, i was thinking of that as a third eye no it's not hmm. it's a pointer it's one of these tiny little details that they've left in the art to point you towards something. In other words, they are saying that this is not a lion. Hmm. Now, when I, you look on Google Earth or any map, whichever you, map you wish to choose, that eye, the round dot of the eye of the lion, is actually a massive lake. And the eyebrow is a mountain range. And when you go to the same sort of position, the relative position for where the mouth is, that is a huge valley which contains the Rishat structure. And this is where it got, you know, this is the sort of thin detail that I was looking at and where this art seems to be taking me and where it took me. It, well, it's you know, almost, yeah, go, go ahead. Well, when I, look at the, when I look at the lion here, I see 
the the place where the lake is near Morocco. I see that as the third eye, and then I see what you see, the mountain is the eyebrow, and then right below it, I see the eye where that line is running through, and there seems to be like almost like a lid over the eye, and it's exactly in the perfect place anatomically for a lion. Yeah, I can understand that. I can see what you're saying. Yeah, I can perfectly see what you're what saying. What we're looking at for sure is some some multi-dimensional depiction. Like, it, and as you mentioned it, it reminds me so much of the the NASA photo, not NASA, the ESA photo from the European Space Agency of the planet Mars of this giant Martian lion that contains all these different um, locations that have arcologies on them. And here we're seeing a giant lion over the map of Africa, that's pretty amazing. It's clever, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, looking at the um, like the, the uh, what looks like the legs of this caribou or reindeer, or whatever that seems to form the Nile Delta. Mm. Yeah, that's another issue which we get into. Uh, yes, because that's down at number seven. So you brought up the question, you know, whether it was just somebody who's you know depicting his yeah visions or, or, or it's a story taught. passed on so yeah. how would you tie that in with the aborigines because we were talking about this culture is possibly seeding cultures all around the globe yeah well the aboriginals the australian aborigines they pass on their culture and everything the dream time and their history by word of mouth they, they teach it to their children, their children teach it to their children. And they've been doing that for 40, 50,000 years, you know, talking about themselves and where they came from, their origins and everything. So it makes sense for somebody else to actually try and record it. Um, and of course, somehow somebody has recorded this in such minute detail that it's become several cultures and religions and writing hieroglyphics it, that's what it's become it's so advanced for its age that theoretically it wouldn't be possible mm-hmm. when you compare it to other um cave art like lascaux or something like that everything else does not have the same quality to it and i think the reason for that is is that lascaux was created like fifteen thousand years ago so it's half as young Mm. as the Chauvet art. And I don't think that the creators of Lascaux had the same technical ability or understanding of what it was they were actually doing. What kind of... mm -hmm. You think what? Yeah, I I think that the um, Lascaux and other versions of cave art, they are severely lacking in this, um, the actual reason behind why the Chauvet cave art was drawn. But can we really know? I mean, we can intuit, but as far as really knowing, I think it's an adventure. I'm curious about the scale of this art that we're looking at. That's in number three. Like, what scale are we looking at here? Right. Um, the scale of it is easily, um, what, as in height? Yes. Mm-hmm. Size, yeah, size ratio. With? Um, you you could easily stand in front of it and not block it out. Uh-huh. 
cases, yeah, so fairly large. It, yeah, it is quite large. This, 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 it's on one sort of uh, wall, and they've actually cleaned the wall off in order to prepare mm-hmm. the surface of the cave wall in order to do all this art. It's yes. not; it hasn't just been slapped on. It's all been prepared right. carefully. It's, it's like drawing that, on a yeah. Go it's ahead. like drawing on a blank canvas. Right. It's interesting. You were saying that they've closed it off, that so no one can go in there and see it. I've heard that oh, this is going to be one of the things that's happening is that a lot of evidence of prehistoric cultures that were highly evolved are going to be revealed, but then we're not going to have any access to them. It appears that's what's happening here too. So now they have a replica is what you're saying? Yes, they have They have created a replica and artists have redrawn what's in Chauvet. Um, I think it's an absolutely fantastic venture that they've done and the mm-hmm. effort, you cannot knock the effort. Um, but, but in my opinion, the replica as normal, as always, does not quite match the original. Right. Uh, yeah, it, it's the the replica is lacking in the um, in the intent. It, mm-hmm. As much as much as they've copied it to the best like of their abilities, for some reason it just lacks that true grit. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, well, that's, if that's, you don't have a vision to anchor on, you know, if you're just trying to replicate lines and you don't have the the vision that holds those lines together it's very easy to move a line this way or that way and totally change the significance of yeah you know yep so there is it's a good point you mentioned that actually there is one specific line um in the cave art uh, which is a bit going to be a bit difficult to explain here um, we do have the image for it, but it's it's one of those things that I, I need to point out and actually sort of show you. But there is this particular line where it's been Should struck. we go to that image? Should we go you to that do. image? It, it's Which number one is eight. It? Number, number eight. eight. So everyone, if you're on the homepage, then click on the banner for Steve Mead's show, Chave, The Hidden History, Human History of Humanity. And that will take you to tonight's show page. Go to number eight, please. Yeah. Right. Um, for some of you, this is going to be a bit of a strange image because what we've got on the right-hand side is the mirrored image of the image on the left. Okay. You should have mirrored the left, the other side too. Um, that You can't because there's nothing there. Mm. I've tried it. There is nothing there. Um, now, <laughs> this uh, I, I need to go into this picture quickly first before uh, we carry on because okay. they, I believe that this is the image of the first Egyptian god, Ra. Okay, it, say more because on the left I see uh, an animal-like figure. I see like four lions, you know, they're one yes. over another and another's over another. That's right. But it's the details that's, that's in it. I mean, if you look at the right-hand image and the, the, the eye on our right, you can see it hidden into the art on the picture on the left. Oh, gets confusing. Yes, I know. Especially mm-hmm. trying to do it this way. Um, but anyway, there is a particular line here, and it's it's coming out of the 
upper um, lion on the right-hand side, there's straight out of his nose, there's a real thick, heavy, curved line which gets drawn. It's, it's been struck. It actually seems to form the back of another lion, which is just off camera there. Um, but it's too highly arched and it's way too curved. And the way that it's been sort of dotted across the surface of the rock, it has been struck rather than drawn. Now, legend has it that Ra lost an eye and nobody knows which one. And I have a funny feeling that it's possible I mean, that, that, that this image on the left-hand side represents the loss of Ra's right eye. Where his, yeah, where his eye would be, there's actually like a, an almost a blank space. It's just in front of the nose of the upper mm. top hand, right top hand lion. It's so, yeah, it's difficult to show and explain here. Yeah, I, I, I think I'd like to bring the conversation because if if the audience can't see this image, it's that's right. It challenging. Is I like to yeah. bring the conversation back to how you see it tying to the Sumerians. Is, is that what you said? Yeah, it's the Egyptians and the Sumerians and, and all of mm -hmm. that. There's there's lots of other little bits of uh, detail in there. Um, some of it is the uh, like the, the tree of life. We could see the tree of life sat inside this. Archway. The same image? We can no, see it's the a totally different image altogether. Do yeah, we have that on uh, the site? No, we don't. Okay, all right. That's all right. Yeah. Um, th th there's quite a few bits and pieces. Um, there's even like um, sort of a, uh, a, a chalice or grail type image that we can find from mirroring another section. Now, I need to talk about this mirroring because some people think that when you mirror an image, you've manipulated it. Well, no, you haven't if the intent was to hide half an image in order for it to be mirrored. And uh, I believe that's where we get into uh, image number two here, which I've labeled so technical. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so if you can all have a look at number two, Okay. Yeah, because uh, what we've got there is what appears to be, if you need to look at the left-hand image first, so you've got this, up in the top left-hand corner, you've got a horse's head. Yeah. Yeah, you got that one? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but he, he has no ears. And then down below, we have what appears to be um, two reindeer or... Caribou, some whatever. Kind, yes, some kind yeah. of one on top of one on top of the other, and they are um, facing opposite directions to each other. Can mm -hmm. you see that? Yes. Yeah? Right. Now, the thing that I noticed with this is that the horse at the top, he does have an ear, and it's halfway down his neck. Yes. Can you see that little unless, dark? Unless, unless that's an ear of another being. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's the ear of this horse, the, the earless horse. It's the ear of that one, and it's halfway down its neck. And, of course, we all know that's wrong. That's in the wrong position, totally in the wrong spot. So, of course, I was taking a detailed look at that image, and I thought to myself, 
what is going on here? Why is this so strange? Why is this ear halfway down the neck on the horse? So I mirrored the image. And of course, the result is on the right-hand side. Mm-hmm. And what, what you end up with is the left, the right, and the full frontal profile of a horse. And of course, when you get the frontal profile, you can now see both ears on top of the horse's head. Mm-hmm. And, and yes, incredibly, yep, and incredibly down below, you see a bird in flight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there is intent here. There is a deliberate intent to create half an image in order for it to be mirrored. And I think that this particular section of the imagery um, proves that there is this intent in there. And it, also it is on the direct vertical. Every single image that has been mirrored, there's only about three or four of them, something like that. Um, of all the ones that have been mirrored, they are all done on the direct vertical. There has been no twisting or other manipulation of the image at all. So you can literally take a photograph of the cave art, put it down, and mirror it straight away. It's that plain and simple, and it's that technical. And the funny thing is, with this um, this bird here that's in flight, when you go back to the original and you see it, you can see where the bird would be, but it looks as though it's sort of perched on a branch. Tail on one side, head on the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, this is one of the things with this. And of course, this is how this image down at number eight, the origins one, this is where that came in. And that's how I found it because uh, it, it's quite a, a technical image. And um, the, one of the other things with it being the um, first Egyptian god Ra, we can, we can make out this pointed beard in the original, just about make out this pointed beard on his chin in the original. Mm-hmm. And of course, all of the Egyptians, well, the kings, the pharaohs, and everything else, the, the, the hierarchy, um, they had a single beard on their chin. Mm-hmm. So again, this is another thing, links to Egypt. Okay, uh, um, I think you're making really large leaps here, uh, and it's going to take a while for the audience to um, assimilate everything. You know, as an artist, <laughs> I'm an artist myself, and I'm looking at these images, and I'm also doing the mirror image in my mind of the other mm-hmm. sides, and. One thing that I experience from doing art is that, yes, as artists, we do encode information. So the mirroring, the idea of mirroring something as a code is is completely familiar to me. I think what becomes a question for the viewer is the interpretation of those mirrored images or even of the originals. And I'm curious as to mm, maybe what legends, I know you speak of Ra having one eye. I'm, I'm still looking at that image, seeing if that's what I see in it. I'm not saying it isn't, but I haven't quite gotten there yet with you, truthfully. Yeah, and this I'm, is the problem. Mm-hmm. I'm problem. curious about, like, I see number five where you're, t- it seems more more of an obvious depiction 
of a correlation here. It says the Mars geoglyph. Yes. And um, you've got the eye of Ra at the bottom. Yep. And um, can you speak a little bit more about this? This is on the, the, the black and whites are on the planet Mars. Is that correct? Is that That's what you're correct. saying from the title? Yes. I'm yes. listening. You want to share with me a little more with that? Okay, the left-hand side image of that one is from the Chauvet Cave Art. Oh, then, okay. Yes, yeah, this is what I was saying mm -hmm. earlier when, I, when we first began, how I spotted what I believe to be the Eye of Ra in the Cave Art. Mm -hmm. That's it. Okay, and the, right. and the right side is Mars? Is that what yes, you're saying? Yes, the one on the right is on the well, surface of Mars. That's pretty amazing similarities. Mm -hmm. And... If I remember correctly, I was able to locate it, and it is approximately 250 to 300 miles away from the face on Cydonia, mm. which is very interesting from a major point of view, Yeah, in my opinion. Well, that whole area is, it, it's amazing. Geoglyphs, I like that term, geoglyphs, because literally you're, you look down on the planet Mars and you see the most amazing depictions that are over vast amounts, huge territories. And so now you're saying that that same mindset, that same focus is what we're seeing in the cave art of Chauvet. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. some, of the, some of the things that are on Mars are actually viewable and seeable on the planet Earth, on the surface of Earth. And all of that has been recorded into the Chauvet cave art, and the art tells you how to find it. Okay, so are you suggesting then that the Martians, us, came here and did those cave paintings? Sort of, yes. Um, and that a tradition our... was passed on, like the Aborigines pass on a tradition? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. You remember I was saying that it was hard to determine whether it was actually cavemen who had been taught or whether it was somebody else that actually did the cave art. Well, and let's not forget that artists are well known for going into altered states. And I, and I do experience that when you're in that artistic kind of Mm, let's say searching through the ethers. Yeah, but when we, you're trying we to tap into things that maybe consciously we're not aware of, but unconsciously yep. we're yep. bringing through something that is a um, an energy, a matrix, a pattern that we are not the only ones accessing it. Meant yeah, there is that possibility. You know, there there may have been somebody out there that was transmitting this data, and it was picked up by the artist who created Chauvet. So, yeah, there is that possible. Um, but what it looks like is that whatever, however, however the artist created that, this information has been encoded into the cave art and uh, that they've um, plotted it and planned it out in such a way that you can actually visit some of the locations that it refers to onto the surface of Earth. And then, of course, you can find similar images that are on Mars. It's, um, where is he? The what, Mars what, Lion Geoglyph, number six. Yeah, what, what took you off in the direction of Mars? I mean, how, how did you make the leap to Mars? Right, okay. Um, 
For that, we need to look at number four, the number geoglyphs. Number four, everyone, number, number four. four. Right. Okay. Okay. So I'll be quick. Um, down here on the right-hand corner, you've got a rhino from the Chauvet Cave Art. Mm -hmm. Right next to it, joined onto it, is um, Baghdad. And you can make out how the, the terrain matches the ears and the rhino's horn. And even in the, the upper left of that same image, you've got the river line, the, the line for the river coming down. All right? To the left of that, there's a snake. Mm. It, in the upper right-hand corner, there's a lion. Right, and um, this lion, you can only see it from about 150 kilometers up. That's so, how big that geoglyph is. Steve, um, we're going to take a break. And so okay. we'll come back to this. I want to let everyone know we're on the other side of midnight. We're having a conversation with Steve Meats about the cave art of Chauvet. And we'll catch you on the other side of the break. Club 19.5ers, this is Chris, your friendly neighborhood other side of the midnight podcast creator. I wanted to pop in right quick to tell you about the new club perk we just set up this week. We've got a new live chat server. We set up our very own Discord chat server this week so all of you can get together and chat with each other and to Richard and the bridge crew. What I hope you will enjoy and take advantage of is the fact that now you will be able to ask your questions of the guest during the live show if you don't want to call in. I know I've had a question or two in the past, and well, if I made it up to the 2 a.m. hour, I just didn't want to be on the radio since I was shy. So we have a chat channel just for guest questions. And if you find it hard to stay up at all for the show, but have a question you would like asked, then go ahead and post it to the channel. Questions will be read out to the guest for you, so you will get your answer as time permits. You're welcome to join the chat server at any time, 
To find the link to the server, please go to theothersideofmidnight.com and click on the Club 19.5 Member Benefits link in the left column. Be sure to log in first. You'll find the link to the chat server information page there. It's important that you follow the directions on that page so I'll be able to get you into the Club 19.5 group as soon as possible. You see, only Club 19.5 members have access to your special chat channels. So I will be verifying everyone that comes in to be sure you are a member. Otherwise, you'll get stuck in the Red Shirts group. And we all know what happens to the Red Shirts in Star Trek, don't we? So don't be a Red Shirt. The chat server runs on anything. If you're connected to the internet, you can access the chat server. So join us all in the server and let's get the other side of Midnight Community together and chat. But wait, you say you aren't a member of Club 19.5? No problem. Click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the left column on the other side of midnight.com. And we'll see you there. for listening to this exciting first hour now the second and third hour of the show is available to club 19.5 members only please support the show by subscribing to club 19.5 and join our very interesting community to do that please visit the website the other side of midnight.com and click on the join club 19.5 link in the left hand column as a club 19.5 member you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350-plus shows that we have done. Now, recent Club 19.5 member archive recording have the commercials removed, and the sound quality has been enhanced. You'll also receive a dedicated private podcast feed that contains these enhanced show recordings. And you'll be able to download the MP3 files directly from the archive if you prefer. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll have access to a private chat server that member used to chat about the show during the show, and you will have a direct channel to post a question that will be read on the air to the guest. And you'll have a place to post questions during our open hailing frequencies. We realize that not everyone wants to call in live, and this gives you an easy way to participate in a live show without having to participate. Club 19.5 members can use this private chat to talk about the shows, ask questions, suggest new guests, and I may even pop on from time to time to answer specific questions. Also, the entire bridge crew is in these participating chat channels, so you can interact with them as well. You'll also be the first to preview our new videos and reports. We'll be adding exclusive new features to Club 19.5 as we go forward, and boy, have we got some amazing things to tell you about in the coming weeks. So please support the show and don't miss all the exciting new things we have planned. I want to thank all our Club 19.5 members because without your guys' support, this show would not be on the air. Please help us continue growing the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 today. And when I say we really need you, we really need you. Over and out. Mm-hmm.